Good evening. I'd like to express gratitude to the shul here, KSYM in Modi'in, for hosting this year, and especially to our good friend Jonathan Gluck for making this happen, arranging this. We're headed towards one of the major, major holidays of the year, Hanukkah, and during the time of the Beis Hamikdash, the Torah makes it pretty clear that the that major holidays of the year are Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Those are the three times. Those are the three times of the year when Jews would travel to Yerushalayim to the Beis Hamikdash to be able to see what took place in the Beis Hamikdash to see the miracles that the Torah tells us were taking place, 10 different miracles taking place on a constant basis in the Beis HaMikdash. Hashem saw that there's going to come a time when we won't have a Beis HaMikdash. And just like we know that in, in Hebrew law, when a person lives in a city, in an area where there's a shul, there's a synagogue, if the person absents themselves from coming, Hashem says, you're not a good neighbor. I'm right nearby, and you don't come to see me. Just like when there was a Beis Hamikdash, the Torah defines the Beis Hamikdash as a place where we would come to see Hashem. Now, what does that mean, see Hashem, if Hashem is not physical in any way? The answer is, seeing Hashem means seeing unnatural things, witnessing miracles. When things are going on in a natural way, then Hashem is hidden. There are people who can deny the existence of Hashem completely or be unaware of the existence or presence of Hashem. The moment Hashem takes the steering wheel and makes a quick turn, Hashem shows that He's taking things off autopilot and He's doing something, He's making something happen that's completely unnatural. Then everybody realizes that there's something above nature. There's a creator, there's someone who created the world, and is operating the world, and that makes us aware of Hashem. That's one of the main things that took place in the Beis Hamikdash. And again, knowing that there will come a time when there will not be a Beis Hamikdash, and we won't be able to go there, the Torah tells us that Hashem had pity on us, and He gave us an alternative. The alternative is our synagogues, our shuls, our Hebrew schools, they are referred to as Mikdash Ma'at, a miniature Beis HaMikdash. And in fact, this was actually prepared by Moshe Rabbeinu before the Jews came into the land of Israel. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was not privileged to come to Eretz Israel, and Hashem gave him the, the commandment to go ahead and make a Mishkan, a tabernacle, in the desert. The desert is outside of Eretz Yisrael. The desert is a place, it's not a place of holiness, and yet Hashem showed that the Jewish people are able to establish a center, a temple, even outside of Eretz Yisrael, even when there's no Beis HaMikdash. That's what the Mishkan was a forerunner of, and that's what our synagogues and yeshivas today are expected to be, sort of a substitute, a a micro-substitute of what the Beis HaMikdash was. And that's why coming into a synagogue, there are laws. It's not like coming into one's kitchen or living room. There's a concept of Mora Mikdash, the respect and dignity that a person shows 
coming into the throne room of a king. That was the attitude coming into the Beis Hamikdash, and that's supposed to be the attitude coming into a shul. The fact that we see today, unfortunately, not everyone realizes that, and some of us could even forget to close our phones coming into the shul, implies this certain lack of awareness of where we're entering, that we're entering into the throne room of Hashem, we're entering into a holy place. But in any case, when we're in good health, when things are proper, we are expected to go to Hashem, to go to the synagogue. When a person is not well, when a person is unhealthy, the Torah gives us a mitzvah of Bikur Cholim. Bikur Cholim means, I understand that you can't come to me, I'll come to you. And Bikur Cholim applies on all levels. The Torah tells us that Hashem, Hashem, the King of Kings, performed the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim when Avraham Avinu underwent a circumcision at the age of 99 years old. And on the third day after this operation, when the pain is the greatest, the Torah tells us, Vayera Elov Hashem Be'elone Amrei. Hashem came to visit Avraham Avinu to show, to set an example for us that even the greatest one goes to visit an ordinary human being when they are ill, when they can't come out. And Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi student, Rabbi Nassim explains this is the significance of the holiday of Hanukkah and Purim, in fact, for us. The implication is that Hashem knew there's going to come a time when we, the, there will not be a Beisamikdash, there will not be a menorah lit in the Holy Temple. Hashem said, okay, I'm going to bring the menorah into your homes. The menorah is going to come to you. The temple, the, the Beisamikdash is going to come to you. That's one of the messages in the holiday of Hanukkah, in Hashem reaching out to us. On Shabbos, on other holidays, we're trying to go up to Hashem. We, we stop, we don't work on Shabbos and holidays, we put on special clothes, we do, Recording all, kinds in progress. We do all kinds of things to prepare ourselves for an Aliyah on Shabbos, on Yom Tif. On Hanukkah, it's Hashem coming down to us, Hashem coming into our home, not just into our home, but the Torah tells us in terms of where we light the menorah, usually a menorah, a lamp, is something you'd want to put in a nice high place for everybody to be able to look up to. When it comes to the holiday of Hanukkah, we're told that the preference, number one, it's important that it should be visible. We want people to see it, persume nisa, publicizing the miracle. However, if it's possible, the height should be below ten tefachim. A tefach is a fist. A tefach is somewhere between three and four inches. A person should position the menorah, if possible, below ten tefachim. And the message there is, which means below 40 inches. And the message there is that even though usually when things are regular, we're told that the divine spirit of Hashem comes down up until a point. It will not go within ten tefachim of the ground. It keeps a certain respectful distance. Hanukkah is an exception to that. Hanukkah, Hashem says, I know. I know there are going to be times when people are in darkness. 
Hanukkah is during the winter, during the long nights of the winter, when there's the most darkness and least light. And Hashem said, I know there's going to come a time when the Jewish people are going to be in darkness. They're going to be in a low place. And I want to show that when that happens, when you're not coming up to me, I'm coming down to you. I'm reaching down to you. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the year that we dedicate the Torah that we're speaking for Yerufu Shalema, for Yehuda Ariel ben Shira, and also Yehoshua Yisrael ben Mordechai, or ben Sar, Besor Shachol Yisrael. Now, when Hashem first created the world, the Mishnah Perviovos tells us he used ten statements. Ba'asoro ma'amoros nivra'olam. The world was created with ten statements of creation. Vayomer, Vayomer Elokim Yehior, Hashem said, let there be light. Vayomer Elokim Yehirokia, let there be the sky to separate between the upper waters and lower waters. If you count, you'll see there's only nine. There's only nine Vayomers. There's only nine obvious statements, nine revealed statements. So the Gemara asks, what's the tenth? And the Gemara says, Bereshis. The first line in the Torah, Bereshis bara elokimus hashemayim v'asoretz, in the beginning Hashem created heaven and earth, that's the tenth, that's number one. That's the highest statement of creation, and the Gemara refers to it as ma'amar sosum. It's a hidden statement, meaning it doesn't say vayomer, it doesn't say Hashem said, but he obviously, who else said it? Obviously Hashem said these words. But that in the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. It's called Maimar Sosum. Why? Why is it this way? And one of the reasons it's given is that we know that Hashem is a king, Hashem is holy, and holiness is something that doesn't go, normally doesn't go into places of unholiness. If a man is wearing tefillin, and the person has to relieve themselves, they have to go into a, a bathroom, they remove the tefillin before going in, they remove a talus before going in. When a person knows, we're told even that we're not permitted to recite words of holiness, a sentence from the Torah or a prayer in a place like that. So there's a concept of uchevodi la'acher lo etem. Hashem says, my honor I do not give, I don't place it in other places. Other places, acher means outside of, outside of the parameters of holiness. So that the standard levels of holiness will not be found in places of unholiness, places of tuma, places of darkness. But yet we know that these places need to exist. We know that even houses of worship, non-Jewish worship, need to exist. Hashem wanted these things to exist in the world. He wanted the Jews to be a nation among other nations. He wanted us to be a light onto the other nations. But He wants these other nations to exist. How do, where do they get their light from? Where do they get their spiritual life from? And the answer is this Maimar Sosun this hidden statement, this voracious book, which is hidden, it's in certain respects the highest level of holiness, 
And because it's such a high level, it has the ability to go down, to reach down into the places of the greatest darkness, in places of the least holiness, and be able to provide life there, spiritual life there. When a person, the Torah tells us that when Hashem created man, at first he gave him one commandment, not 10 commandments, not 613 commandments, one instruction. You're in a place, there are trees here, all of them are available to you except for one. There's one tree I don't want you to partake from. Unfortunately, the Torah tells us that Adam and Chava did partake from this tree and Hashem issued a warning that on the day that you eat from this tree, ki most famous. You're going to die, you're going to bring death into the world. Had that not happened, we're told, there was the possibility of man being able to live forever. There wouldn't have been a need for death. But Adam and Chava did partake from the tree, and then we're told that Hashem came to them and said, Ayeko, where are you? Where are you? This is the term that's used there. We find that same term used when the Torah speaks about the destruction of the Holy Temple. We're told, the Gemara tells us that we had two Holy Temples. The first one was destroyed because of three major crimes. Idol worship, adultery, and murder. The second Beis Amikdash, the second Temple, was destroyed because of one thing, sinas chinam, unwarranted, unjustified hate among our people, among the Jewish nation. We have Tisha B'Av, the holiday of Tisha B'Av, when we mourn the destruction of the Beis Amikdash. And on Tisha B'Av, we recite a special, special Megillah. It's called Megillah's Echa. The word Echa. Echa, it begins Echa Yoshvavadod. How? How is it possible for this city of Yerushalayim? which is supposed to be the beauty of the world. How is it possible that this city now is alone? This city which at one time was inhabited by so many Jews, and now it's like a widow, been separated like a widow, a woman separated from her husband, the Jewish people being separated from the divine spirit of Hashem. Ayeko appears in the beginning of the Torah, and this word Echa, the same exact letters, the same exact word. Rabbi Nachman tells us that whenever we know that Hashem created the world as darkness and light, Vayhi Era, Vayivoker, Yom Echad, a complete cycle is first night and then day. The secular world defines the day as day and night. But according to the Torah, first there's night, then there's day, that's a complete cycle. First darkness, then light. Which means that Hashem showed us that life in this world is going to involve darkness and light. It's going to involve ups and downs. We know that when a person is in the hospital, and they're in serious condition, and they put a monitor to, to monitor the heart, and, and we see it on a monitor, as long as the lines are going up and down, 
we know the person is alive. The moment it's going straight, we've lost the patient. The person is no longer alive. The message to us is that life involves ups and downs. There are no exceptions. Everyone has ups and downs, every individual person, and certainly the Jewish nation. We study the Torah, we see ups and downs. Times when we're close to Hashem, we're in favor with Hashem, and times when it's the opposite. And the question is, when a person is down, when a person is in a state of darkness, what do you do then? When a person feels distant from Hashem, they don't feel the light, Rabbi Nachman says that there's a, in, on Shabbos, we know that Shabbos is the holiest day of the week, and it starts with Friday night, and then it goes on to Shabbos morning, and then we have Shabbos afternoon. There are three levels in Shabbos. In the Shmon Esrei on Friday night, we say, V'yanuchu v'o kol Yisrael. We mention the female, v'o. On Shabbos morning, we say, V'yanuchu v'o kol Yisrael. We mention the male. On Shabbos at Mincha, we say, V'yanuchu v'om kol Yisrael. That's the union between male and female. And in Kabbalistic terms, we're told that Shabbos, we're climbing a ladder. We're going from level to level. We're starting with the female, and then adding the male, and then bringing them together. The climax is bringing them together. On, and we're told that a person who observes Shabbos takes on an additional soul on Shabbos, a nefesh yisera, a neshama yisera, besides the soul that we carry during the weekdays. That soul, we're told, comes in parts. Friday night there's part, Shabbos morning there's part, and then in Musaf, in the Musaf Shmon Esrei, those, there's Nusach Ashkenaz, Nusach Sfar, in the Musaf Shmon Esrei there are those that say, Keser, Keser Yitnu Lecha Hashem Elokeinu. We're giving a crown, we're crowning Hashem. And in that, in that Kiddusha, we say, where is the place of Hashem's divine honor? Where is it? That term, we're taught, has incredible significance. Incredible significance. The, again, we're touching on some of the lightest, lightest, easiest concepts that are presented in Hasidut, in Kabbalah. We're told that there are ten basic attributes of Hashem. And they correspond to the image of man. There's the head of a person, there's the brain, which in science we're taught that the brain has three parts, the cerebrum, the cerebellum, and the medulla. In holiness we're taught that there's keser, chachma, and bino, or chachma, bino, das. These are different ways of referring to it. The highest place is the keter, the crown. That's called the highest, the highest part. And then there's chesed, gevura, kindness, harshness, these different attributes of Hashem. In, in Shabbos and Musaf, we're reaching a certain climax where we're, we're connecting to this keter. And in this keter, we're saying, aye mekom kevodo, where is, where is Hashem? When does a person say, where is Hashem? We said earlier that there, there were these 10 statements of creation. Nine of them 
are found within the domain of holiness, in, in holy places, places of light. But there's places of darkness, there's times when a person feels completely distant, or a person is disengaged from Hashem. Are they, dis are they totally disconnected? If they were disconnected, they couldn't live. Where are they drawing life from? Where is their soul getting its battery from? And the answer is they're drawing from that hidden statement, that Maimra Sosum, that first statement of creation, which corresponds to that highest level that we just said, this Keter, this crown, which is so high a level of light that it's able to reach down to the lowest places and, and be secure, not be harmed in any way, not be harmed. We know that when a person, person is strong, they can handle certain things, but there's certain difficulties that are too much for them. When a person is at the highest level of strength, that person can take on challenges, go to the most difficult circumstances and challenges, and still be able to weather it. So when we're speaking in terms of Hashem's light, the light of Hashem, the higher the light, the more it has the ability to reach down to further places. The example we gave is this, the ten statements of creation, nine of them are feeding places of holiness. That highest one, that voracious, that hidden statement is able to go into the hidden, the places where Hashem's light is hidden. You don't see it. It's not obvious. You can't see it. And yet Hashem is there. The divine presence of Hashem is there. Otherwise it couldn't exist. We find that in Tehillim, King David says, Esa enayel hehorim, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, may I in Yovo Ezri, from where, from where is my assistance going to come from? Where is it going to come from? And then he says, Ezri meim Hashem, osei shamayim varetz. My help is coming from Hashem. What is that all about? What is that all about? The answer is that King David found himself in different circumstances, different challenges. Shaul Hamela, King Saul, was chasing to kill him. His own son rebelled against him. He was running for his life from Avshalom. He went through so many different difficulties to the point where it looked to him at certain points, where, where is Hashem? Where is Hashem in all of this? And he says, may I in Yahweh Ezri, may I means from where? Like that word aye, aye, where is Hashem? But the word ayin also means nothingness. The word ayin is a term used in Hebrew to refer to a level of holiness that's so high that it has no boundaries. We talk about Hashem as being infinite. Infinite in Hebrew is ein sof. Ein sof means infinite, and the term ayin also means infinite, nothingness. Nothingness means something that's so high a level, it has no boundaries. And here again, King David tells us that there are certain times when a person is desperate, there's a desperation. The circumstances, the challenge is so big and so difficult that it looks to a person that all the standard ch channels of kindness of Hashem are, not, are not, not there. What do we do then? Then we tap into this highest place, this keter, this ayin, this ma'amar sosum, this hidden statement. And this is actually what we're experiencing on Hanukkah. The fact that we say Hanukkah is a time, 
It takes place during the winter, when, when the nights in general are longer, and not just the winter, but the dead of winter, the middle of winter, from Kislev to Teves, it crosses two months, two of the Hebrew months, when the nights are the longest, and during that time, and, and it's taken, it was declared by the rabbis after we lost the Beis Hamikdash. We have no Beis Hamikdash. We have no place to come and see Hashem. And yet Hashem says, I'm going to give you the opportunity to turn on these tiny little candles, these little lights, these eight little lights. And the number eight, we know, the number seven, represents the physical world. This world was created in seven days. Seven years represent a Shemitah. The number seven represents the physical world. Eight means we're going above. We're going above Teva. We're going above nature. So that the, the fact that the holiday of Hanukkah is celebrated in eight days implies again we're going to a place, a much higher place. We're tapping into this place of Aye Mekom Kevodo. When a person, we, we find certain examples in our history when, when some of the most important people in, in the Jewish people went down to very, very low places. We find, for example, Sarah Imenu, the wife of Avram Avinu. The Torah tells us that she was on such a high level of prophecy that Hashem told Avraham Avinu, whatever she tells you, when there was a whole question of the maidservant, Hagar, and Sarah wanted to evict her, and, and Avraham Avinu felt bad about it, Hashem says to Avram, whatever she tells you, Shema Bekola, listen to her, she knows. And yet we find Sarah Imenu being taken into the palace of Paro. And he wants to use her in a way, in a, a non-kosher way. And the Torah tells us that sure enough, while she's there, she prays, she reaches out to Hashem, and Hashem protects her. She's not defiled in any kind of way. And not only that, but Avraham and Sarah are able to leave Egypt. Vayal Avraham mimitzrayim. Avraham Avinu rises up from Egypt. He rises up. Not only isn't he pulled down, but he rises up. He comes out of there with wealth, financial wealth, and spiritual success. But it took Sarah going down. It required Sarah going down, down into the palace of Ahasuerus, into the palace of Paro. We find the same thing with Rivka and Avimelech. We find the same thing with Esther, Queen Esther. The Zorah Kodesh tells us that Esther represents the Shekhinah, the divine spirit of Hashem. There's a passage in Shira Shirin, Kishoshana ben hachochim, like a rose among the thorns, so too is the divine spirit of Hashem, the Shekhinah, or the Jewish people. And we're told that the word Shoshana has the same numerical value as Esther. And note the word Esther means hidden, hiddenness, corresponding to this hidden statement of creation, this highest statement, the holiest statement, the Keter, which is hidden. It's a hidden light. It's not obvious. It's not an obvious statement. It's hidden. And Esther is taken into the palace of Ahasuerus, and at one point, when she's having her final meeting with Ahasuerus in Haman, the Torah tells us she had to pass through a room where all the idols that Ahasuerus kept in the palace were there. And she enters into that room, 
And we're told that the divine spirit of Hashem separates from her. It leaves her. And she cries out to Hashem, Keli, Keli, Loma Azaftani. Hashem, why have you left me? Again, another, another version of this ayah, Hashem, where are you? Where are you? And sure enough, by doing that, she connects, she reconnects, and she achieves such a level of success that not only is Haman not able to carry out the plan that he partnered with Ahasuerush to annihilate the Jewish nation, but rather the Jews are given permission to destroy all their enemies, and the Torah tells us, There's such an incredible victory that many of the non-Jews came and joined the Jewish nation at that time. How did this come about? It came about through this ayeh, through this ayeh, through this keli keli loma azaftani. And Rabbi Nachman takes this now to us, that we today are living in a generation, the Torah tells us, that as we move away, the holy temple, the Beis HaMikdosh, was a migdal or, it was a tower of light. Again, it was a place where a person could come to see Hashem, to see miracles taking place. You saw animals being slaughtered constantly, blood and meat, no refrigeration at the time. A fly was never seen in the Beis HaMikdosh. And the Gemara tells us other nine miracles that they were able to see on a constant basis. As we move away from the time when we had a Beis HaMikdosh, when that great light was in the world, we're going into darkness, dark, dark, darker. Despite the fact that today, Baruch Hashem, we're blessed, <coughs> we are in Eretz Yisrael. We have synagogues, we have hundreds, possibly thousands of synagogues throughout the world. We have yeshivas, we have holy books, we have sfarim being published every few minutes. And yet the Torah tells us, that we are going to be in a state of extreme hiddenness, where with all of this light, people are saying, Hashem, where are you? Where are you? How is, how is it that we find the world becoming more and more insane every moment? The world, and it's even affecting us, it's even affecting the Jewish people in so many different ways. And, and the response to this, the response to this is this Aye Mekom Kivodo, this recognition that there is, there are standard levels of light, there are standard levels of holiness, which when things are dark, when there's unholiness, they, they are not present. But there is this highest level light, there is this Keter, which could only, a person could only tap into that sometimes, from a person, from a certain low. It's like a diving board. When a person wants to go up to a certain very high level of height, they have to press down, they have to jump down, and the further down they go, the higher up they're able to, if they come out of it the right way, they're able to reach a higher height. When we were in Egypt, the Torah tells us, we hit minus 49. We were in the 49th level of Tumah to the point where we're told we had to rush out of there because had we waited any longer, we would have has to show him hit minus 50, which is almost a point of no return. We go from minus 49 to plus 49. We count 49 days of the Omer. We're climbing 49 levels. 
to get to Matan Torah, which is 50. What happens at 50? We take 49 steps towards Hashem. Step number 50, we go to Shul on Shavuos night. We, we're counting. The Torah says, Tisperu Chamishim Yom. Count 50 days. How many days do we count in the Omer? 49. What happens to the 50? We get to the finish line and we quit. We don't quit. Number 50 is Vayered Hashem Al Har Sinai. That Hashem comes down to us. When we do what we can, when we do what's expected of us, even in darkness, even in Yerida, when a person still reaches out to Hashem and says, Hashem, I know you're there. I know you're there. I don't see you. I see darkness. I see terrible things taking place. But I know you're there. When a person says, where are you? Where are you means you, I know you exist. I recognize you exist, just I don't see you. And I'm, I'm reaching out to you. Hashem's response is, Vayered Hashem, Hashem comes down to us. And this is what's taking place when we're lighting these Hanukkah candles. We're not going to, Hashem is coming into our home. He's coming below tent Tvachim. And, and he's turning on these eight lights. Why eight? We said eight means we're going above nature. We're, we're tapping into that higher place. When, when we dive in Shachris in the morning, we, we, we're climbing a ladder also. In Shachris, there are levels. The first part of Shachris, the Korbanos, corresponds to the physical world, the Olam Hu'asiya. The second part of Shachris, the Psuke de Zimra, the Psalms, corresponds to the next world, the world of the angels, the Olam Hayetzira. The third part of Shachris corresponds to the next world, the Olam Habriya, the world of the throne of Hashem. And we get to Shmon Esrei. Shmon Esrei is called Atzilus. We're going into the closest, closest connection to Hashem. We take three steps back and then showing that we're leaving everything physical. We take three steps forward showing that we're entering into the throne room of Hashem. In between the Shema and Shmon Esrei, you'll take a look. We mentioned the word Emet three t- eight times. Emet ve'yatzeh v'nochom, emet Ms. Mimitzrayim Daltani, you'll take a look in your sitter exactly eight times. That, that's what these eight lights of Hanukkah represent. We're turning on these eight lights of truth. What is truth? Truth is Hashem. Hashem Elokechem Emes. Hashem is Emes. We're turning on these lights of truth, recognizing that we are in an Olam Hasheker. This world is not a place where we see things the way they really are meant to be. In this world, there are people who are glorified, there are people who are, who are famous, and we find out that they, they, they're not really qualified or deserving of fame. They're actually infamous, chas v'shom. So that this world is a place of topsy-turvy, olam ha-sheker. We're told the future world is called Olam Ho'emes. That's where those that deserve real recognition will get the recognition they deserve. We're turning on these lights of Emes, showing that we're aware of this. We recognize that we're in this world, we're in seven, but we believe in eight. We believe that there's, there's a future world. There's an Olam Ho'emes. And we believe that there's this highest place, there's this keter, there's a light that when we're down, when we're feeling down and distant from Hashem, if we call out to Hashem and we say, Hashem, where are you? We, we reach out to Hashem, like Queen Esther did, like Sarah did. 
like in the case of Adam Arishon, Ayeko, or like the Echa that we say. Now here, here's the punchline. The word Ayeko or Echa is the word Aye and the letter Chaf. What is the letter Chaf? The Chaf is Keter, the crown of Hashem. Chaf in Hebrew is 20. 20 is Esrim. In Hebrew, 20 is Esrim. The word Esrim is exactly the gematria 620, which is Keter, the crown of Hashem. Why? Because this crown is the top level. We said there are 10 levels. The light from this crown goes down 10 levels, 10 floors, and comes back up and bounces back up. So it travels 20 units, 20 steps. That's this Ayeko, that's this Echo, that's this Aye, which when a person is feeling, when, a, when we're struggling, when we're going through challenges, and today people are going through all kinds of challenges in health, in, in family relationships, in, in finances, and, and the struggle that Klai Yisrael is going through to try to survive in Eretz Yisrael, to try to survive from the enemies surrounding us, from the enemies within us, all kinds of diff different places, and the challenges, all the different challenges on, on all different levels. By, by reaching out to Hashem this way, by, by performing, observing the mitzvah of Hanukkah, the lighting of the candles, and we're also celebrating a victory. There's two miracles that we're commemorating on Hanukkah. There's the realization that there was a nation called Yavon, the Greeks, and the Greeks were known as a culture, a nation of culture. This wasn't the Nazis or the Romans who said, or Haman, who said, we want to murder Jews. The Greeks said, we're not out to murder anybody. We just want to substitute Greek culture. We want to replace the Torah, divine wisdom, with earthly wisdom, with culture, with their, their type of culture. And, and on Hanukkah, we show that we recognize that there's emet, there's the Torah, there's divine wisdom, which is the ultimate truth, and anything that contradicts or conflicts with that is, 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 not, is not emet. It can't be that same level of emet. So on Hanukkah, we recognize we're, we're turning on these eight lights corresponding to those eight times of emet, showing our recognition that Hashem is emet, the Torah is emet, and, and the Jewish people, this is a, a bond that's inseparable. The Zohar Hashem, the Jewish people, and the Torah are one. We should be this year to be able to celebrate this holiday in joy. Hashem should watch over and protect all of us from all the different, the spiritual adversaries and the physical adversaries. And that in the merit of remembering that there was a base Hamikdash, that our shuls, by coming to shul and, and, and studying Torah, were showing that we recognize we haven't lost our connection to Hashem at all. We've lost the, we've lost the connection to those nine lower levels sometimes, but there's that highest connection which will support us through our worst lows. We hope and pray that Hashem will restore the, the light to fullness with the coming of Moshiach, the building of the third and final base on Yiddush from Herod Yomeinu, Amen Amen.